Between 7.30 and 8.30 every morning, except Sundays, Johnny Butt made the round of the village of Chipping Cleghorn on his bicycle, whistling vociferously through his teeth and alighting at each house or cottage to shove through the letterbox such morning papers as had been ordered by the occupants of the house in question from Mr. Totman, stationer of the High Street. Thus, at Colonel and Mrs. Easterbrook's, he delivered the Times and the Daily Graphic. At Mrs. Swettenham's, he left the Times and the Daily Worker. At Miss Hinchcliffe and Miss Murgatroyd's, he left the Daily Telegraph and the News Chronicle. At Miss Blacklock's, he left the Telegraph, the Times and the Daily Mail. All these houses, and indeed at practically every house in Chipping Cleghorn, he delivered every Friday a copy of the North Benham News and Chipping Cleghorn Gazette, known locally simply as the Gazette. Thus on Friday mornings, after a hurried glance at the headlines in the daily paper, International Situation Critical, UNO Meets Today, Bloodhounds Seek Blonde Typist Killer, Three collieries idle. Twenty-three die of food poisoning in a seaside hotel, etc. Most of the inhabitants of Chipping Cleghorn eagerly opened the Gazette and plunged into the local news. After a cursory glance at correspondence, in which the passionate hates and feuds of rural life found full play, nine out of ten subscribers then turned to the personal column. Here were grouped together, higgledy-piggledy, articles for sale or wanted, frenzied appeals for domestic help, innumerable insertions regarding dogs, announcements concerning poultry and garden equipment, and various other items of an interesting nature to those living in the small community of Chipping Cleghorn. This particular Friday, October the 29th, was no exception to the rule. Mrs. Swettenham, pushing back the pretty little grey curls from her forehead, opened the Times, looked with a lacklustre eye at the left-hand centre page, decided that, as usual, if there was any exciting news, the Times had succeeded in camouflaging it in an impeccable manner, took a look at the births, marriages and deaths, particularly the latter. Then, her duty done, she put aside the Times and eagerly seized the Chipping Cleghorn Gazette. When her son Edmund entered the room a moment later, she was already deep in the personal column. "'Good morning, dear,' said Mrs. Swettenham. "'The Smedleys are selling their Daimler, 1935. "'Well, that's rather a long time ago, isn't it?' Her son grunted, poured himself out a cup of coffee, helped himself to a couple of kippers, sat down at the table and opened the Daily Worker, which he propped up against the toast rack. Bull Mastiff Puppies, read out Mrs. Swettenham. I really don't know how people manage to feed big dogs nowadays. I really don't. Mm, Selina Lawrence is advertising for a cook again. I could tell her it's just a waste of time advertising in these days. She hasn't put her address, only a box number. Well, that's quite fatal. I could have told her so. Servants simply insist on knowing where they are going. They like a good address. False teeth. I can't think why false teeth are so popular. Best prices paid. Beautiful bulbs are special selection. They sound rather cheap. Oh, here's a girl wants an interesting post. Would travel. 
I dare say, who wouldn't? Dachshunds. I've never really cared for Dachshunds myself. I don't mean because they're German, because we've got over all that. I just don't care for them, that's all. Oh, yes, Mrs. Finch? The door had opened to admit the head and torso of a grim-looking female in an aged velvet beret. Good morning, ma'am, said Mrs. Finch. Can I clear? Not yet. We haven't finished, said Mrs. Swetnam. Well, not quite finished, she added ingratiatingly. Casting a look at Edmund and his paper, Mrs. Finch sniffed and withdrew. I've only just begun, said Edmund, just as his mother remarked. I do wish you wouldn't read that horrid paper, Edmund. Mrs. Finch doesn't like it at all. I don't see what my political views have to do with Mrs. Finch. And it isn't pursued, Mrs. Swetnam, as though you were a worker. You don't do any work at all. That's not in the least true, said Edmund indignantly. I'm writing a book. I meant real work, said Mrs. Swetnam. And Mrs. Finch does matter. If she takes a dislike to us and won't come, who else could we get? Advertise in the Gazette, said Edmund, grinning. I've just told you that's no use. Oh, dear me. Nowadays, unless one has an old nanny in the family who will go into the kitchen and do everything, one's simply sunk. Well, why haven't we an old nanny? How remiss of you not to have provided me with one. What were you thinking about? You had an ayah, dear. No foresight, murmured Edwin. Mrs. Swetnam was once more deep in the personal column. Second-hand motor mower for sale. Now I wonder... Oh, goodness, what a price! More Daxons. Do write or communicate desperate woggles. What silly nicknames people have. Cocker Spaniels. Oh, do you remember, darling Susie Edmund? She really was human. Understood every word you said to her. Sheraton sideboard for sale. Genuine family antique. Mrs. Lucas Dyer's Hall. What a liar that woman is. Sheraton, indeed. Mrs. Swetnam sniffed and then continued her reading. Uh, all a mistake, darling. Undying love. Friday as usual, Jay. I suppose they've had a lover's quarrel. Or do you think it's a code for burglars? More Daxons. Really, I do think people have gone a little crazy about breeding Daxons. I mean, there are other dogs. Your Uncle Simon used to breed Manchester Terriers. Such graceful little things. I do like dogs with legs. Lady going abroad will sell her navy two-piece suiting. No measurements or price given. A marriage is announced. No. A murder. What? Well, I never... Edmund, Edmund, listen to this. A murder is announced and will take place on Friday, October the 29th at Little Paddocks at 6.30pm. Friends, please accept this, the only intimation. What an extraordinary thing. Edmund. What's that? Edmund looked up from his newspaper. Friday, October the 29th. Why, that's today. Let me see. Her son took the paper from her. But what does it mean, Mrs. Swetnam asked with lively curiosity. Edmund Swetnam rubbed his nose doubtfully. Some sort of party, I suppose. The murder game, that kind of thing. 
Oh, said Mrs. Sweatnam doubtfully. It seems a very odd way of doing it, just sticking it in the advertisements like that. Not at all like Letitia Blacklock, who always seems to me such a sensible woman. Probably got up by the bright young thing she has in the house. It's very short notice. Today. Do you think we're just supposed to go? It says, friends, please accept this, the only intimation, her son pointed out. Well, I think these newfangled ways of giving invitations are very tiresome, said Mrs. Swettenham decidedly. All right, mother, you needn't go. No, agreed Mrs. Swettenham. There was a pause. Do you really want that last piece of toast, Edmund? I should have thought my being properly nourished mattered more than letting that old hag clear the table. Shh, dear, she'll hear you. Edmund, what happens at a murder game? I don't know exactly. They pin pieces of paper upon you or something. No, I think you draw them out of a hat, and somebody's a victim, and somebody else is a detective, and then they turn the lights out, and somebody taps you on the shoulder, and then you scream and lie down and sham dead. Sounds quite exciting. Probably a beastly bore. I'm not going. Nonsense, Edmund, said Mrs. Swetton resolutely. I'm going, and you're coming with me. That's settled. Archie, said Mrs. Easterbrook to her husband, listen to this. Colonel Easterbrook paid no attention because he was already snorting with impatience over an article in the Times. Trouble with these fellows is, he said, that none of them knows the first thing about India. Not the first thing. I know, dear, I know. If they did, they wouldn't write such piffle. Yes, I know. Archie, do listen. A murder is announced and will take place on Friday, October the 29th. That's today. At Little Paddock's at 6.30pm. Friends, please accept this, the only intimation. She paused triumphantly. Colonel Easterbrook looked at her indulgently, but without much interest. Murder game, he said. Oh, that's all it is. Mind you, he unbent a little, it can be very good fun if it's well done, but it needs a good organising by someone who knows the ropes. You draw lots. One person's the murderer, nobody knows who. Lights out, murder chooses his victim. The victim has to count twenty before he screams. Then the person who's chosen to be the detective takes charge, questions everybody. Where they were, what they were doing, tries to trip the real fellow up. Yes, it's a good game, if the detective uh, knows something about police work. Like you, Archie, you had all those interesting cases to try in your district. Colonel Easterbrook smiled indulgently and gave his moustache a complacent twirl. Yes, Laura, he said. Dare say I could give him a hint or two. Then he straightened his shoulders. Miss Blacklock ought to have asked you to help her in getting the thing up. The colonel snorted. Oh, well, she's got that young cub staying with her. Expect this is his idea. Nephew or something. Funny idea, though, sticking it in the paper. It was in the personal column. We might never have seen it. 